Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Tia Williams' Seven Days in June is Reese Witherspoon's June book club pick and one of the summer's most anticipated books. Seven Days to Fall in Love, 15 Years to Forget, and Seven Days to Get It All Back Again. This is a witty, romantic, and sexy-as-hell novel of two writers and their second chance at love. T. Williams is being compared to Terry McMillan, and Seven Days in June is a story of Black lives that's joyous and sexy, as well as filled with truth and depth. Williams had a 15-year career as a beauty editor for magazines including Elle, Glamour, and Essence. In 2004, she pioneered the beauty blog industry with Shake Your Beauty. She wrote the best-selling novel, The Accidental Diva, and penned two YA novels, It Chicks and Sixteen Candles. Her award-winning novel, The Perfect Fine, will be adapted into a Netflix film starring Gabrielle Union. So be sure to check out Tia Williams' Seven Days in June. Hello, and welcome back to Win in Romance, where we love to talk about romance novels, Landia, people, authors, all of the things. I am Jess. And I am Trisha. And we are recording episode 85 on Thursday, June 24th. Hooray! Happy belated birthday, Jess. You had a birthday last weekend. I did, and the majority of it was pretty okay. Listen, you know, you get to a certain point, and that's, uh... <laughs> That's what you're looking for, especially coming out of a pandemic. I think there was a heat wave uh, where you live. So, you know, pretty okay. It's not so bad. Yeah, the temperature finally dropped and the high was 99 today. Well, we are uh, about to face that down here in the Pacific Northwest. Um, By the time people are listening to this, I will have tried to figure out if a person can buy an air conditioner short term. Just (laughs) guessing the answer will be no. So, uh No matter what kind of extreme weather folks might be dealing with out there, we are sending you good, safe, cool vibes. Cool vibes. Cool in multiple ways. Yes. Because that's who I am. (laughs) Speaking of cool in multiple ways, we did hear from the lovely Wendy, who has uh, emailed us before and sent us some of their favorite books featuring women protagonists, because our last episode, we talked about women as main characters, WLW or FF romance. And so Wendy sent a few that are indie. She actually sent a bunch. So I'm just going to shout out a few of them. For rom-coms, she mentioned Robin Alexander's Just Jory, Claire Linden's London Calling or Twice in a Lifetime. A few others in the romance section, she mentioned Harper Bliss's Season of Love or In the Distance There is Light. And then actually, she mentioned Karen Callmaker, that's Karen with a K, Callmaker also with a K, uh, who is with Bella. So she's not indie, but uh, she is called, as Wendy puts it, the queen of lesbian romance for a reason. And she mentioned that Roller Coaster and Stepping Stone by Karen Callmaker are two that uh, Wendy would recommend. So thank you so much to, uh, to her and to everyone else who is sending us, you know, notes, tweets, Instagram messages, whatever else you've got. We always love to hear from you. Yes, we do. And I'm looking at my my romance TBR shelf because I have a 
five foot belly full of romance novels that I haven't read. And there's at least one Karen Comaker on my shelf. So thanks a lot, Wendy. <laughs> hey, <laughs> maybe the time is now. Maybe the time is now. The time is now. The time is now for another uh, Wedding Romance Book Club. Yes, it is. And we are, as we mentioned last time, we are going to be reading and discussing Jay's Wrong Number, Right Woman. And we will be recording our discussion of it on July 22nd. So if you have thoughts about it, if you want to read it along with us and have thoughts about it, share those with us. We'll probably remind you. We will remind you um, and mention it on whatever social media platform that we lean towards. So keep an eye out for that. And Jay actually tweeted about our last episode, which was pretty neat. That was. Highlighted a few of the authors that we uh, had a chance to talk about, which was which was very cool. As we mentioned, sometimes it is unfair that this is true, but sometimes the books that are about women exclusively, some of the ones that are a little bit less mainstream, are a little more expensive. So uh, this would be a good time if you're a person whose book budget is a little more limited. You might want to check in with your library, see if they have right... Now I'm doing it wrong. (laughs) To see if they have wrong number right woman, or see if... You know, they might be able to get it for you. Or, I mean, it's also wonderful to to pay full price, support the author. I just know everyone is not in that situation, and we wouldn't want that to box anybody out of book club. Absolutely. Hooray. And I got to tell you, from the size of this book, you're getting a kind of nice balance of penny per page or whatever. Excellent. I like that. I will mention, I was going to tell people, I was like, oh, we're getting close to episode 100. So make sure you rate and review us. I First of all, I don't know why that would matter. And second of all, <laughs> we're on episode 85. So we have 15 episodes, which is probably like 30 weeks. So yeah. we have a little time before we're at we episode 100. But at the same time, feel free to rate, review the podcast anyway. It does help other folks to find it. So I think that's our welcome slash intro slash follow up, Jess. I think I think we covered everything. Heat waves, follow up, right number, wrong, wrong the rights <laughs> and the wrongs of the women and the numbers. Uh, your birthday, yeah, I think we got it. I think we're good. I, I think we're good. So let's do an ad spot. Many thanks to Bloom Books, an imprint of Source Books, for sponsoring this episode. Bloom Books, as you might or might not know, is publishing their first book as an imprint. And it is Freed by E.L. James. You are cordially invited to the wedding of the decade. Well, the decade a while ago, as you might remember, when Christian Grey will make Anastasia Steele his wife. But is he really husband material? His dad is unsure, his brother wants to organize one hell of a bachelor party, and his fiancée won't vow to obey. The first book in the original Fifty Shades trilogy, Fifty Shades of Grey, is an international bestseller and stayed on the New York Times bestsellers list for an unprecedented 133 consecutive weeks. And now we have the third, maybe final, installment of Fifty Shades of Grey from Christian's point of view, Freed. Anastasia and Christian's love story has enthralled millions, and E.L. James has been recognized as one of Time Magazine's most influential people in the world. So uh, once again, thank you to Bloom Books and Freed by E.L. James for sponsoring this episode. All right. 
So we're going to talk later about some of our favorite books of 2021 so far. But before we get into all of that, I will say I kind of floated this idea with Jess as I was looking at my list of 2021 books so far to figure out what some of my favorites were. And I realized how much shorter my books that I've read list is right now than maybe it was last year. Mm -hmm. And I started to learn a little bit and see a little bit uh, and reflect a little bit on how different my reading is. And I was wondering a little bit if I am in the mainstream, or if I am an outlier, or if maybe a little bit of both, as often is the case. And so I, Jess and I were talking about it, and we're interested in the answers to those questions from each other, but also from all of you. Yes, we would love to hear if you are having similar 2020-2021 reading experiences that to one or both of us, or a completely different 2020 slash 2021 reading experience, or maybe you're just having the same reading experience that you've always had. And it's, I mean, I've also had a few different friends who either have started reading significantly more romance or have gotten into the genre entirely. So we're just kind of interested in all of this. And in order to make it very easy for all of you to let us know, we're gonna put together sometime between now and when the show goes live, a survey. It's just, it's gonna be short, maybe five or so questions just to kind of get a handle on where folks are and give everybody else the opportunity to reflect a little bit on that. Um, So there will be a link in the show notes to the survey. You can click it and we're going to talk about a few of our questions today. We'll probably talk about a few of them on the next episode. But it's just kind of I don't know, I, (laughs) I never know with when I have a sort of like a bananas outside left field uh, idea whether (laughs) Jess is going to be too nice to tell me that it's completely bonkers. (laughs) <laughs> but just, I was happily, I'm not surprised because you're always so supportive, but you seemed enthusiastic about this conversation as well. I am. I like, because as some of you know, I spend a lot of time on Twitter. So I've seen a lot of anecdotal evidence of a kind of shift in some people's readings while other people's are having the reverse shift or no shift at all. But also, I just love information and I'm very nosy and I want to know about other people's experiences. So <laughs> this is a great way to do it without having you tweet directly at us or something like that. Yeah, I'm excited. So like I said, we're gonna talk through a couple of questions now before we get into our sort of more, I don't know, quantifiable uh, reading experiences of 2021, since we're gonna be talking about the books themselves. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pose this first question to you, Jess, are you reading more or less romance. So I th- we're kind of framing this in sort of the like before times, before COVID versus after times. Although, as I will talk about um, in a few minutes, my kind of time breakdown is a little bit different. But I guess just sort of based on the experiences you've been through and last year or two, Jess, are you reading, do you think more or less romance than you were in the before times, whatever that means for you? I think percentage-wise of books that I'm reading, I'm definitely reading more romance, which is interesting because I was reading at least one romance a week, if not more, in the years previous and probably last year because Mm -hmm. of this fun little thing that I was doing twice a week called Kissing Books. (laughs) I wanted to make sure that, you know, I was giving everyone reading it new information. So Mm -hmm. I was trying to keep up, but I still was also interested in reading graphic novels and reading nonfiction, reading some YA and, you know, trying to make sure that my reading experience was round 
Whereas now I'm like, you know, it's been like a month since I've read anything besides romance. Maybe I should now I'll just grab another romance novel. So, well, and I think one of the things that it took me a little while to realize about you, because I will say, and I think I've said this before, a significant chunk, definitely over 75% of the fiction that I read is romance. So, Mm -hmm. but with you and just sort of your interests and your job, that's not, like I said, it took me a little while to realize that's not necessarily the case for you. Right. Yeah. Especially the job part. I I am a librarian, for those of you who might be new or just forgot. And I actually lead multiple book clubs now this year. Um, Whereas I've been leading one for three years and there are themed book clubs. So I do have to often read at least one book per month that is not a romance. I think we read one romance last year for my LGBTQ book club. um, And that was a fun conversation. So I tend, I tend to not do that as much. But so and they're great books that I'm reading off circuit, I guess. But you know, then I'm like, well, I got to read like four romances to make up for that really difficult auto fiction a novel about trauma that I had to read two months ago, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I will say, I think, so So we were initially going to talk about whether you're reading more or less romance, and then kind of more or fewer books overall. And so the answer to this question for me is surprised me a little. Like, I think the number of non-romance books that I have read is at least as many, if not more, than this time last year. But the thing that has been happening to me, if you were asking me whether I had started more or fewer romance books than, you know, this time last year or 18 months ago, I would say the number that I've started is probably roughly the same. Mm. But I realized about a month ago that I've been having a really, really hard time finishing these Mm. books. And I don't mean I get 15% in and I'm like, no, this is not for me. These are books I really, really like by... authors that I have talked about on the show, right? People like Anna Zabo and Sonali Dev. And I'm getting like 75, 80% of the way through these books and not continuing them. And I think for me, my reading habits have changed a lot in the last six months. I mentioned earlier in the year that my sister passed away unexpectedly in December. And I think everyone has been dealing with their own type and level Mm -hmm. of kind of trauma and grief over the course of the last year and a half or, or longer. I think for me, that was, no, I don't, I don't think I know for me that that was um, the kind of, I mean, it essentially changed my life in a a way that I would not have ever been able to anticipate. And Mm -hmm. I don't, I I can't quite figure it out, Jess, like I, not to, you know, do too much self psychoanalysis or, or push you into it. I do think some of it is like the dark moment stuff is Mm -hmm. harder for me now. Like it's sort of like more stressful than it used to be to like, know that it's coming and know that eventually like a a plot is going to, you know, burst into flames, like one way or another, and people are going to have to figure it all out. Like it's that level of anxiety has been really difficult for me to handle. So I have never been in a situation where I've started 25, 30 different books and finished like seven of them. Mm. So it's been a really interesting experience. And I'm looking forward to eventually going back and finishing all those books because I liked them very much uh, right up until I put them down and did not pick them up again. So I don't know. Like I like I said, I don't know if um, other folks are having any trouble with kind of like the structure of romance in that way. But yeah, but in terms of non-romance books, I think I've read as many this year, like kind of nonfiction is what tends to be, although I've gotten more into graphic novels as well. 
And so I'm curious for you, Jess, it sounded like more of the books that you're reading are romance. Is that is your total number kind of impacted? You know, it's it's interesting because okay, so I have I don't know how many of you use the book right reading log, but I am have actually been better at using that this year than my Goodreads. And for the books that I have finished, almost 65% have been romance. And I I'm going to say that's actually probably lower than previous years as far as volume. But that is because you might notice I said for the books that I have finished, which are the only ones that I fill out a whole row of, mm-hmm. because I am in denial and won't admit that I've DNF'd a book. So I have been having a similar problem to you, Trisha, although yeah. very often I don't make it that far. Sometimes yeah. sometimes I'll, you know, it'll be one of those like 12 pages and move on books, but sometimes it's 50 or 60%. And I don't know what what is losing me because it's not always the dark moment. I I I look towards the dark moment and want to see how they'll get out of it. Usually when I'm reading these, but sometimes there are books where the like, especially this year, I seem to have I seem to fall off right when the couple actually like gets together. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if they get together relatively early in the book. I've lost investment in it for some reason. It's like I I got to that point where good. I don't like I don't know. Like it's so strange and interesting because if you look at my reading log, there are 110 lines filled out on my reading log, but there are very many empty spaces mm-hmm. in the finish date column. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those are not romance. Like I keep starting harder books and moving on but a lot of them are are even novellas i read 20 pages and then it's like oh they're 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 about Mm -hmm. to have sex now i'm good like yeah i i don't know what it is it almost sounds kind of like the same at least in a lot of ways maybe it's not like you don't get quite as far through but it almost kind of feels like a similar situation to mine in that you almost like want to leave them like happy and doing okay yeah right like if they like, oh, they had a meet cute. They seem to really be hitting it off. They had a really good first date. Good enough. Yep. Like that's, you know, like it's almost, I don't know, maybe, maybe um, now I'm, I'm psychoanalyzing you, but I wonder if it is like a little bit of that kind of, there's been so much stress and conflict in the world and in life and in everything that it's a little bit like, well, this is fine. Like these people are doing okay. So I'm just going to leave them here doing okay for now. Yeah. But the thing is, sometimes the ones that I am, like, super invested in are the hard ones. Like, so this doesn't Mm -hmm. come out until August, but I got my hands on a copy of The Heart Principle by Helen Wong, and Mm -hmm. I read it in under 24 hours. Like, I Mm -hmm. opened it before I even left work, realized I needed to drive home, got home, read it, ate food, read it, went to sleep, woke up an hour and a half before I usually wake up because my brain was like, you need to read this book and finished it that like, and that for those of you who have not yet gotten your hands on a copy or who are waiting for August or who have to wait for August. So most people. It is a very, very difficult book to read, but I couldn't turn away. And um, one of my favorites that we'll talk about later was also, I actually wrote a whole 
a post about it on Book Riot. I was so afraid that that was going to fall to my my group of I'm not going to read this. And it would have been my first by this author that I just like stopped reading and walked away from. But I kept coming back and I read it in like half hour stints. And I don't read anything. I don't read anything that takes me that long. Like, I'll be honest, like even hard books, I will read bits and bits and bits and then sit down and read the rest. Like even Mm -hmm. Octavia Butler is like that for me. But this one, there was none of that sit down and read the rest. Like it took me over a month to finish a romance novel. And that never happened. So yeah, it's it's almost arbitrary what is happening in the story that will just make me decide I'm done. That's interesting, because I I actually think some of the more intense, like emotionally intense books are the ones where I'm getting like 80, 85% of the way through. And then Mm -hmm. it's, you know how like, there's a little bit of a glimmer of like, okay, for like these three pages, everything's fine, even though you know, Mm. all of the wheels are about to come flying off the wagon. Mm -hmm. And that's like, you know, like I mentioned, Sonali Dave's most recent book, and I probably over the course of weekend read the first 85%. And she's one of my favorite authors, and someday I will finish it. Mm -hmm. But... You know, it's interesting. You added this question, which makes me think that you may be experiencing this. Are you reading in different formats or having trouble with formats that you liked before? Because I'll be honest, this hasn't really been an issue for me. I will tell you, I don't know what's going on. And it's actually gotten better over the past, like, three or four weeks. There was a period where if I had an ebook, I wasn't going to read it. Oh, interesting. Like, I would sit there, I would open it, I would read three pages, my brain would wander off, my eyes would cross, and I'd go and pick up a paper book. Mm -hmm. Luckily, I can read on paper. I don't need to increase page size or anything like that. Although Mm -hmm. sometimes I would be reading something that was only available in mass market paperback, and then my hands would say, no, and I would go read something else because Mm -hmm. mass markets are hard for me. But yeah, I don't know what it is. And I've I've actually been listening to the same audiobook for like two months. So <laughs> there's some, something where I was just a print only person for some period of time. And I have always been a format jumper. Like I have and love things in every format. I was going to say that. Are you normally an audio? Because like some people like audio is just like, I, I can't really do fiction in audio. I can do nonfiction. Mm. But are you normally a person that can do audio? Yes. Yes. And you know, this this past year and a half has been interesting because my the majority of my audio is usually in the car. And I'm not on my daily commute to work. So sure, I've had to like find other reasons to listen to it, which maybe contributing because you know if I'm only like listening to it for 45 minutes while I'm eating lunch or while cleaning the dishes or whatever then it doesn't add up quite as well but I just like decide not to instead Mm -hmm. and even now that I have started driving more places I'll put the audiobook on going to the place and then just like turn on music for the return trip so Mm mm-hmm I don't know if I've just like over overwhelmed my brain with everything and need to just spend some time not reading or what's happening there. So you never know. You never do know. But we would like to find out. Yes. So these three questions and then a few more are going to be in the uh, survey that I mentioned that'll be in the show notes. We'd love to hear whether you read a lot of romance, don't read a lot of romance, just like to hear Jess and I talk. That's great, too. (laughs) 
we are in fact that is maybe the most now it's all this is all the same amount of great but that's a pretty high level mm-hmm. so do click on that let us know what you think and then the other questions that we have on the survey we'll probably talk through on our next episode yep so the survey it'll be just a google form uh we will take any of your information if you want to share a name then we will welcome it if we and I'll probably include a question about whether or not it's okay to share your answers. Oh, good call. And uh, yeah, we would love to hear any ideas, thoughts or responses that you have to those questions. Because like I said, I'm just nosy, but Trisha is legitimately (laughs) curious whether this is a thing. Mm. I feel like nosy and curious, there's a pretty big overlap in that <laughs> Venn diagram. So uh, so yeah, I think we're probably in the same the same nosy curious boat there. There we go. Yeah, and maybe we'll ask people too just what their favorite book so far this year is. Absolutely. We'd love to know. Because that's kind of like the I mean, you know, all of this deep, intensive psychoanalyzing aside, like that's kind of fun. That is. Speaking of that kind of fun, we're gonna get to it in just a second. Uh, but first <laughs> Huge thanks to our next sponsor, Book Riot. Book Riot Insiders, specifically the digital bookish resource and hangout for readers. You can enrich your reading life with our Book Riot Insiders perks. We've got three levels to insiders. There is short story, there is novel, and there are epic levels. And you can try any level out for free for two weeks. For podcast lovers, including all of you, insiders at the novel and epic level get access to two exclusive shows. The Read Harder podcast, which gives recommendations for the Read Harder challenge task by task. And Book Riot Remixed, where we randomly pair up hosts from across the shows to talk about, well, whatever they want. For example... In the June episode, Trisha and Jeff O'Neill might have talked about what it would look like if there was a bookish Oscars. I don't know, just saying. It's a possible thing that might have happened. Uh, Insiders also get exclusive access to bookish deals, behind-the-scenes newsletters, our new release index, the Epic Book Club, and more. You can sign up for your free trial and learn what the bookish Oscars might sound or look like uh, at insiders.bookriot.com. That is a free trial at insiders.bookriot.com. Calm. All right, Jess. All right, Trisha. We're close to halfway through the year. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like a little astonishing. But here we are. And I'm going to let you kick this off. I don't know what order you're going to talk about your books in, but I've read one, own another, and the third is is entirely new to me. So, so I'm excited. I'm ready to I'm ready to learn. All right. So, if if you haven't figured out, we are talking about our favorites of the year so far. Because unlike 2020, this year has gone by like a breeze. Well, kind of. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> okay, kind of. <laughs> well, compa- you know what, though? You said compared to 2020. So in fairness, that is correct. Yeah. T- March of 2020 lasted like three years. Yeah. As did like June of 2020, <laughs> October of 2020. <laughs> it's true. Anyway, I'm sorry. Continue. It's true. And uh, my first favorite book of 2021 was actually my first book of 2021. I have been reading a lot more in advance this year, and this one was no different. And it was Act Your Age, Eve Brown by Talia Hibbert. I just could not wait more than one day of this year to sit down and read it, and I ate it up. 
If you are unfamiliar, Act Your Age, Eve Brown is the third book in the Brown Sisters trilogy. The first one is Get a Life, Chloe Brown. The second one is Take a Hint, Danny Brown. And I could not believe I was thinking, saying, and writing this, but Eve is my favorite. How did that happen? I don't know. How did that happen? <laughs> because if you recall, last year, Danny was my ultimate favorite human on the planet. And she didn't even exist. But of Talia Hibbert's Brown Sisters and overall the universe is, I guess, universes, because I don't think they're all connected. Eve and her <laughs> reluctant beau, Jacob, are really my favorite couple in in that whole world. And this one, Eve is, I think, the youngest, and she drives off in a bit of a tizzy from her home when her parents basically threaten to cut her off if she doesn't get her life together. And she ends up in this small town called Skybriar, which is the name of the next Tully Hibbert series. So keep an eye out for what could possibly be Easter eggs. And ends up accidentally interviewing for a job, not getting said job, and then getting said job when she accidentally runs over the proprietor of the bed and breakfast with her car. As happens. It happens. You We've know. all been there. So they don't get off to a great start, but they have to work together and, you know, kind of live together. So things happen. And it's just great and delightful and wonderful. And the banter is there. The weirdness is there. It's just, it's all good. And it was very much my kind of story. So act your age, Eve Brown, read all three, but definitely read this one. And if you've never heard of Talia Hibbert, I'd like to be the first to welcome you to the Wedding Romance Podcast. <laughs> For the first time, probably. <laughs> So much like we love Talia Hibbert, had hoped to kind of recommend some authors we don't talk about all the time, all the time, except I do have to start my recommendations with Wild Rain by Beverly Jenkins. And the reason is, it was actually the all three of the books that I'm going to talk about are books that I've read in the last probably month, because in some ways, it was reading vivid for the one in romance book club that kind of helped me kind of break my streak of not being able to finish books. Because Beverly Jenkins is just such a I mean, all of the writers, even the ones I was having trouble with are so compelling. But because I knew I had to finish Vivid because we were doing book club on it, mm -hmm. then I did finish it and it, it felt pretty good. So um, Jen Northington, who uh, subbed in for Jessel in that episode, had just finished Wild Rain, was talking about it. So I had to pick it up. And it is wonderful. It's the story of Spring, who is a woman who is running her own ranch in the 18, gosh, 70s, I think, late 1800s. It's post-Civil War in Wyoming. So this is one of, of Jenkins's sort of Western set books. It is the second in the Woman Who Dare series, but I feel like it has much more in common with Tempest, which is mm. the last book in her Old West series, because Rain is actually the sister of Colton, who's the hero, um, one of the main characters in, in the book Tempest. So mm -hmm. anyway, all of that to say, all of that to say, if anybody has like a family tree of how all of Beverly Jenkins's families <laughs> and characters are related, I would love that. And if nobody has one, we might have to like crowdsource and like put it together. <laughs> yeah. But I actually checked her website. <laughs> I didn't see one. So anyway, all of that to say. So people talk about, um, so it's Spring and Colton. Colton's a, a newspaper reporter. He's come to do a story on Spring's brother, who's a doctor. 
And he's, you know, he's from out east. And, you know, like, oh, you're from the east is like a big thing out there. But he's like, oh, cool. So mm-hmm. you probably have never seen like cows or whatever. So anyway, they clash at the beginning. I will tell you, Jess, when people talk about like grumpy sunshine books, I have mm-hmm. always rolled my eyes and been like, no, it should not be any person's responsibility to like teach somebody else how not to be like an alpha hole. <laughs> But the thing is, I had always been thinking of them in terms of male-female romance as the male person being grumpy and the female person being sunshine, which, to be honest, I think is often how it happens. And Mm -hmm. it feels too, like, manic pixie dream girl to me. But the thing about this book is that Spring is so grumpy. She's, like, the most grumpy. And she has good (laughs) reasons. She's had to deal with a lot of stuff. But, like, she is not having it. She has no patience. She, like, thinks Colton asks too many questions because he's a journalist, so it's kind of his job. Mm-hmm. And he finds her interesting and lovely, and uh, he describes her at one point as charming, and she's like, I don't think you know what that means. And he's like, no, I don't think you know what that means. And it's just delightful, and it's really lovely. So, again, I would say, and I I read the first book, again, you don't have to have read anything else by Beverly Jenkins. You can pick up Wild Rain and be just fine. Yeah. So, you know how I was talking about the book that took me... A Million Years to Finish. Yes. It was The Devil Comes Courting by Courtney Milan. My spreadsheet says it took me 41 days to read that book. And obviously, I was reading other things while I was reading it. I skipped a couple days to read something really fast. So it didn't actually take me an entire 41 days, but from start to finish, 41 days. It's a lot of days. And it was worth it. Like... I don't like, you know, I'm a one sitting kind of guy or, or as few as few sittings as I can get. But this was okay reading it in small bits because it means I finished it. <laughs> and The Devil Comes Courting is one of a very, very, very small number, if not the only one, of historical romances that I have managed to read this year. And I think one of the only reasons that I did is because it is so different from anything else that exists in the romance realm or any other realm, honestly. So this is the third book in Courtney Milan's Worth saga. So that's the Worth family after the wedding was the second one. And I've drawn a blank on what the name of the first one was. But also Mrs. Martin is in the Worth universe. And this is her first book set in China. And the female protagonist, Amelia, is Chinese-born, British-raised. Her mother is a missionary and borrowed her from a Chinese woman who... Yikes. Yeah. So she's British-raised, raised to be a missionary, already married and widowed. And her mother is trying to marry her off again. And then we have Grayson, who is an American, a black American man, black American ship captain, who is trying to get China to continue an international telegraph circuit. So he is laying cable for an international telegraph circuit, and he wants to run into China. But his biggest issue is that he wants the Chinese to actually be able to communicate with it. And no one has come up with a code that can turn Morse code into Chinese characters. So he has been sent in the direct, in Amelia's direction because 
She, on a whim, while out in the world being a missionary, had come up with something, you know, the the bits and pieces of something that could end up being that. And he doesn't know that he's looking for a woman. But when he finds her, he's like, yeah, okay, I want to hire you. Will you come with me? And the first conflict is her getting her to actually say yes, that she'll actually come do this work for him. And there are a lot of small things that happen throughout the book. And it's not just one big arc of conflict. And there's also a lot of time that they spend apart. So it's a very different kind of romance. But all of the feelings and emotions and personal issues, they both have elements of grief and loss and inability to fit in and racism and all of this other stuff that's affecting their own inner lives and and inner dialogue and ability to feel like they should be wanted. So all of this is happening in one big romance novel that's taking me days and days and days to read. So I'm just like in it for a month and a half, just like feeling all of the things that these people are feeling. (laughs) And Courtney Milan is so good at just like dragging you through these things in a good way, please. If you haven't read any Courtney Milan, do not let me turn you off by telling (laughs) you that she's going to drag you because you will die. Yeah, if you're not familiar with Courtney Milan, I'd also like to welcome you to the When in Romance podcast. (laughs) But it's just, it's so good. It's like, I was so afraid two chapters in that I wasn't going to pick that book back up. And I just forced myself to do it. And then I kept going. And that's the only time this year, I think, that I've put a book down, just thought, I got to keep going. Instead of, if I'm not going to continuously read it, I'm not going to read it. All right. You want to give people the name one more time? The Devil Comes Courting by Courtney Milan. Sorry, I thought about doing that and then just stayed silent. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) Listen, I think people could have just clicked in the show notes. But if anyone's (laughs) like an auditory learner, I think that was helpful. For anyone who is an auditory learner, the next book I'm going to talk about is called Best Laid Plans. It's by Roan Parrish. I, on our last episode, talked about a book called Knit Pearl, A Baby and a Girl. And here is why when publishers at the end of a book put the first chapter of a different book at the very back, this is why. Because when I finished that book, the first chapter of Best Laid Plans was at the end. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I got a few more minutes left on the elliptical machine. I'll read this. So I got the first chapter of a story wherein Rye is leaving Seattle. He sort of has no choice. He's been couch surfing. He's kind of, he's he's like a kind of a loner, kind of an outcast. He doesn't have a particularly strong family base. He's just never had a lot of security and stability. He's never really sort of been at home. His parents are not supportive of him. So you you see him driving with his adorable cat to, I want to say Wyoming, which would make this the second uh, book that I've mentioned that is in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And he's going to a little place called Garnet Run. His grandfather has left him a house. He's going to go live there. It's all he has in the world. He goes and he finds that it is completely falling down. So obviously I'm hooked. I buy best laid plans. And I find out that in order to fix up this house, which he actually has no idea how to do, he's just doing it through YouTube videos, which Rye, I feel you. Uh, <laughs> he goes to the, the hardware store and finds Charlie, who is the owner of the hardware store, And is this guy who just like takes care of things and takes care of people and helps people kind of 
put things together. And he he took care of his little brother after his parents died right when he turned 18. And he took over the hardware store. And he's in a lot of ways kind of like the white knight. But in a lot of other ways, Charlie didn't have the opportunity to kind of live the life that he imagined. And so as he and Rye start to kind of Obviously, they hit it off. Rye's very grumpy. Charlie's Mm -hmm. a little more sunshine. But uh, as they kind of hit it off, they find that, like, Charlie's kind of trying to deal with some stuff, too. He doesn't – he's very um, romantically and sexually inexperienced, despite being in his mid to late 30s, which is a time when many people have had uh, an opportunity to get some of those experiences under their belt. And so he's kind of exploring that and figuring out with Rye. And Rye is very, very supportive of him. It's just like a lovely – story of these two people who are a little bit damaged, but like working it through and they're still really good and they have this really lovely heart. And this is the second book in the Garnet Run series. So immediately after I read this one, I read the first book in that series, which is actually about Charlie's brother. That one's called Better Than People. We might have talked about that one, Jess, or I don't know if you've read it, but so it's about Simon. Anyway, read both. But uh, the book that I'm talking about that is one of my favorites so far this year is Best Laid Plans by Roan Parrish. Yeah, I Better Than People was one of my favorites from last year. And I was just referring it to my review of it for something else that I was working on. And uh, I definitely wrote in my review that I, I was I hoped the next book was for Charlie. So I'm glad and it that- was, but you can read them out of order. I did. It's totally fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading Best Laid Plans. I just haven't gotten to it yet. I mean, as we've discussed, that happens. It It, it happens. All right, what's number three for you? Number three is Make It Sweet by Kristen Callahan. And I didn't know this two years ago, but I am absolute trash for Kristen Callahan. I haven't made it through her entire backlist, but when I see one, I will read it. And I've Mm -hmm. read four of hers this year, including the advanced copy for her next book in her series about a rock band, which is just fabulous. But this one is a little different. And it's still about famous people, but it's set in a bit of a quieter world. So we've got Emma, who was unceremoniously kicked off of her Game of Thrones-like show by, you know, being killed or her character being killed. And she is just trying to have a little time to herself, figure out what she wants to do with her life, get over her grief from losing not only her job, but also discovering that her boyfriend was cheating on her. And just, you know, downtime. Downtime is good. And she ends up getting a place to stay on this beautiful California coast estate. And the grandson of the owner is Luke. And he is also spending some time away after his hockey career was basically ended by a traumatic brain injury. So you've got two people already who are at a place in their lives where they're young enough where they have all of their lives ahead of them, but everything they know has basically been taken away from them. And they have an interesting time at it. <laughs> and the, <laughs> the interesting thing, the Make It Sweet is mostly in reference to the fact that Luke is a brilliant pastry chef. Like, he played hockey, but Aww. he's his, his thing is like he can make these beautiful 
sweets. Um, and he kind of woos Emma with them um, before she even knows that it's him. She's she's always talking about like how great the the chef is for the estate that she's living on in Luke's presence. And he's kind of like, do I say anything? Nah. <laughs> so... <laughs> But it's like, it's, it's another one of those that was like super emotional and has two people with a lot of baggage that they're dealing with and uh, helping each other, but also helping themselves. And maybe that's the theme of, of my three favorites here. Look at you pulling it all together. Maybe that's the only kind of thing that I could finish this year. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe if the characters aren't intensely developed and full of things that they need to fix about themselves, aka super messy. Maybe that's what I need. <laughs> Maybe it is. I've got one for you, Jess. My last one is also super messy. That's actually like a thing that I wrote down to say about <laughs> it. First of all, I have to tell you, I think I was referring to one of the main characters in Wild Rain as Colton. I That is not the correct name. I had the name of the hero, the of uh, Spring's brother in my head, the one who's the doctor. The actual main character's name is Garrett. So this is not actually a book about Spring and her brother building a romance. (laughs) It's about Spring and the interviewer. So anyway, my apologies. I got all the names. I got excited about a family tree. I got names confused. Anyway. It happens. Thank you. Uh, Here is the book that I, I have to tell you. So I, again, this is a book I've just read in the last week or two. I am astonished that more people are not talking about The Girl with Stars in Her Eyes by Zio Axelrod. You mean the book that is sitting directly under my phone and next to my water bottle right now? I'm staring at it, but I haven't read. Jess, <laughs> it's so good. Like, I don't know. Like, yes, first of all, I don't like to tell people what to read, but read <laughs> that one. <laughs> like, it does not just have to be a phone rest. It is an excellent book. And it's like, I mean, it, it seems to me it should be kind of in some of these. And I've seen, like, I think I saw it in Target. Like, it's it's out there. And maybe mm-hmm. I've just missed the conversation. It could be, like I said, I you know, my, my book knowledge is not this year at, entirely up to par as far as what's going on. But it's, it's so messy. So it is about Tony, <laughs> Tony Bennett. Uh, Tony is short for Antonia, <laughs> uh, who is... You start with a prologue where you find out that she is the daughter of this woman who's like a nightclub singer. She's trying to make it big. Her mother eventually kind of dumps her when she's 12 on her father, who she's never met. And that is terrible in many ways, except that there happens to be a 14-year-old, I think she's 12, he's 14, named Sebastian, who's there. Um, They make plans for years and years to get out of their small town in Pennsylvania. And one day, for reasons that we don't find out for a long time... Seb just leaves. He takes half the money that they've saved and he goes. Mm. And they don't see each other again for seven years until Tony is a working musician. Uh, she gets an invitation to audition to be a part of this super hot new band of like all women, super like cool rock band. Um, it's up and coming. It's this indie thing. It's super cool. And she finds out that Sebastian is actually their manager. Mm. So... Things get a little complicated, but it is like it's super messy because she's actually coming in to replace the guitar player who is like this society tabloid magnet rich girl who kind of messed everything up. But there's like a lot of loyalty to her. And it's there. The band is called the Lilies because the main sort of draw that the singer is named Lily and she's trying to like keep it all together. And Sebastian has these loyalties to all of them. It's super messy, very, very satisfying 
I really, really liked it a lot. And like I said, I'm a little astonished that more people aren't talking about it because it's really, really good. So again, that's The Girl with Stars in Her Eyes by Zio Axelrod. Definitely going to be in the running for one of my favorites of the year. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I did actually grab the Target copy because it's got like the special Target, I think it's Diverse Books Book Club uh, seal, mm-hmm. and there's like a little letter at the front and that kind of thing. So I I promise that I have every intention of reading it. <laughs> yeah, and I will buy a hard copy of this one too, because any book that I feel like, I have it as an ebook right now, but any book that I think I can recommend to my friends and like lend to them, I buy as hard copy, and this is for sure one of them. Actually, yes. I recommended it to one of my friends this morning. So anyway, so so hopefully that's like a fun way to end this. We've given people six books that they can yeah. be excited about. Yeah, absolutely. And three books that I can be excited about. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Uh, and also some pastries, it sounds like, that I can be excited about. So I'm always here for that. So much food. Actually, in all three books, I think. Well, you're <laughs> just once you've made the sale, stop selling. <laughs> you're good to go. Uh, all right. Well, as always, a huge and wonderful thanks to our huge and wonderful thanks. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna stick with it. A huge <laughs> and wonderful thanks to our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink, who taught us this week what gain is. Yes. We're not sure we really got it. But we tried. Yeah. Uh, so be excited, everybody. So Jen is the best. Please take our survey. The link will be in the show notes. And we look forward to seeing it. Yeah. And you, as always, you can find us on email, whenandromance at bookriot.com. I am on social media, mostly Instagram, occasionally Twitter, at Trisha Haley Brown. And I am on Twitter at Jess's Reading and on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading. And I think, uh, I think that's it. In the meantime, we're wishing everybody all the cool vibes. All the cool vibes. And if you're reading, more or less, happy reading. <laughs>